Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I am your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Sign up for a premium membership. You can get all the items, all the content that I write about the Bruins and the NHL sent straight directly to your inbox. Uh, You can also find my work at the Boston Sports Journal, bostonsportsjournal.com. After every Bruins game, I have a column right up on what I saw, what I uh, analyzed, and, and what I'm thinking about the Bruins. And uh, that should be up pretty soon for the, today's game or last night's game. Uh, four to three overtime loss to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you know, some positives and negatives out of that. I think this is the 50th uh, episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. And with me, uh, who's been on a number of these podcasts, is uh, my friend and colleague Mick Collagio. Mick, please tell everybody where they can find your work. Honored to be here for the milestone, Joe. <laughs> yes. Uh, rinkrapmc.com is my blog. I tend to do that on game nights. Uh, I also contribute to bostonhockeynow.com and the hockey news. And I link to everything on X, Twitter, Facebook, yada, yada. There you go. Social media superstar, Mick Collagio. That's what we like to call you. Uh, <laughs> let's also thank Very our sponsors. <laughs> uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get involved in the action. It's a great app, easy to use uh, and get things started so you can get $150 if your team wins. Uh, let's also thank... Uh, and give some love to Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, delicious meals if you're busy and on the go, ready in two minutes. You throw them in the microwave. Calorie smart meals, dietitian approved, uh, made by uh, made by chefs as well. Very very good stuff. Um, head to factormeals.com/hags50 and use code hags50 to get fifty percent off your first box. Um, all right, Mick. Let's just start off with the uh, the news from this past week, which was um, Matt Patra being sent to uh, World Juniors to Team Canada. Um, this coming out as his minutes were going down each month, um, he'd been healthy scratched a few times in the last few weeks, and they'd started to sort of put together, I think, a uh, maintenance plan um, to keep him rested, to keep him energized sort of realizing and acknowledging that as a 19-year-old, which they knew this was going to happen, as a 19-year-old, you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. You're going to hit some kind of walls um, that first NHL season with the rigors and the travel and, you know, just the demands and and the sort of confidence going up and down on the yo-yo when you're a young kid trying to establish yourself in the the league. And I would mentioned this a lot. I know I'd mentioned this at least three or four times and and talking about this for a month or two. I really thought this was a good move to make. Uh, something that could have given him a nice natural break and reset uh, in this rookie season Um, and and maybe give him a little confidence boost going to team Canada and playing with his peers, but it allows him to kind of break things up a little bit. And I think we'll get a better Matt Potra down the stretch this season uh, based on this experience and sort of getting off the NHL treadmill for a while and going to Sweden and playing in this tournament. Um, what did you think about the move um, and what dividends or, you know, up, possible upsides or downsides do you think there are to Patra leaving for a few weeks to go play uh, international hockey in Sweden? Um, hard to add to everything you just said, to be honest. I thought that uh, you did, you had commented on this. Um, I was more of a jury out kind of guy, but 
Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with this for all stated reasons. And I would say that hockey overseas will be less of a rugby match for him. And because I do think that there's an exhaustion. It's a new experience to play against men yep. and to have to have that battle and pull on that rope every single night. And, and, and now that they've kind of got your number and they figured out, okay, we know what he's good at. We know what he's not. And let's, let's just attack him where he's not and win hockey games. And if we can exploit him in a bad moment and get a goal against his line, then that's what we do. Well, the Bruins are at a point where not only Quadra wise, is this a good move, but team wise, it's a good move. Yeah. They need to man up a little more right now against the rigors of the league. The sledding has gotten harder and teams that didn't start the season well, uh, tougher outs right now. They're playing a sturdier game. They're starting to beat the Bruins physically. And some of these long held um, weaknesses of this era of management and the physical physicality department are beginning to emerge. And some nights the Bruins look like a very average team for long stretches because other teams have skill too, as we keep on seeing, whether you're playing against a Hughes brother or a kid like Kaprizov last night, yep. you know, this, this, is, this is getting to be hard hockey. We're in the hard hockey season right now and probably a good time for Potter to exit stage left and uh, get over to, to uh, play in what should be a very spiritually invigorating tournament for him. Um, hopefully it goes great and he has a great time and a great experience and he comes back all the better for it, refreshed and, and maybe, maybe can help the Bruins down the road. We'll see. Yeah. And selfishly, it'll uh, give me a little bit more to watch the world juniors, you know, give me a little bit more reason to watch. I like to watch anyway, a little bit. Uh, but certainly when, you know, there's a, a prominent member of the Bruins organization playing for one of the teams, it gives you a little more uh, something of interest. It's not like, uh, you know, the national rite of passage in the U.S. like it is in Canada, where everybody sits around the TV at holiday time and watches the World Junior Tournament. It's a little bit sometimes of a tougher sell in the U.S. Yeah, for us hockey diehards, not as much, but I, I think just in general, uh, the general population doesn't uh, sort of gravitate towards it or watch it as much this time of year. Um, it's, you know, holiday season seems to be much more about like college football and, you know, maybe NBA on Christmas day and all that stuff. Um, but Absolutely. like, you know, I didn't get a, I didn't get a WJC, uh, card to fill out and on my, in my email and send back with five bucks, you know, I, right. I did that, that didn't happen. Exactly. Football, it happened. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the, yeah, selfishly, this will give you something a little bit uh, more to to watch Team Canada, Team USA, um, the goings on there. And there's a lot to break down, honestly, with both teams. And I'm curious to watch Max Celebrini and what he looks like for Team Canada. I'm curious to you know see if I can criticize Team USA for not um, giving a longer look to a guy like Cole Iserman on that team and him not making it when uh, he you know sounds like he's going to be a consensus top. Uh, draft pick this summer and uh, you know he doesn't make team USA at the world juniors and he might go number one overall and certainly he's going to go in the top five I find that interesting um, but like that's all stuff that we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk a little bit more about in, in the next week or two uh, when we get into the world juniors as far as Potra goes <clears throat> he's in that tough spot right now where 
And I think you alluded to this a little bit, Mick. He's in that balancing act of adjusting to defensemen, closing them off sooner and better than ever before. You know, defensemen and defenders being able to shut off plays when he's trying to create better than he's ever faced before and dealing with all that while continuing to retain that offensive confidence, that uh, thought that he can beat players and that creativity that he wants to have where he can beat these guys and he can try things versus playing it safe on some shifts, being smart around when he takes the puck up by the offensive blue line, when he's in the offensive zone, you know, um, puck management, making good decisions that aren't going to cost his team. Like it's such a balancing act for a skilled player like that. And obviously Pasternak's gotten to a point where he's excellent at that. And he still makes mistakes too sometimes, but like he's willing to continue to try things uh, even though defenders are always focused on him and really physical on him and shut down plays. Patra's in that really like key uh, developmental part of being an NHL player of retaining all of that offensive weaponry and the creativity while figuring out ways to do it against much better defenders, bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. That's, that's a tough like place to be for him for a 19 year old kid uh, to, and, and as you alluded to, to see what he's going to be able to do to help them in the second half when he comes back uh, from this world junior with all those elements floating around. I think his pockets will get deeper too, as he goes forward. I think yep. the biggest thing we're going to see out of Patra in these next few years is going to be an improved skating stride. I think right now yeah. he tends to push into the mud with each foot when he's up against NHL skaters and he he fares well, he keeps up, but he doesn't – He all his speed has to be smart speed. None of it can be leg speed right now in this league. And as this game is really kind of grinding him down right now, and he's hanging in there well. That's You know, no complaints. Really feel like, you know, hey, this kid um, had a good junior year. This kid showed he was ready to – the, and the Bruins, I don't think we're wrong here to say, let's no. develop you in the league, in the big leagues now. And I think that's the right way to go. I don't think there's going to be any regret or, or uh, any kind of uh, comeuppance about that. I feel yeah. like he's shown that he can handle the process. That doesn't mean the process is going to be pretty. Uh, but I do think he's going to be a terrific player, uh, especially if he can get a little more pop in his stride, a little more strength in his stride going forward. Maybe there's a little technique involved in the skating. Uh, he's not a bad-looking skater. He's just not a great-looking skater, and he's so young that I feel like uh, they can probably work with him. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, for, for everything we're saying about, you know, him hitting a little bit of a wall, like whatever lately, the minutes being down this month, sort of like, you know, the – the, the performance perhaps in a little bit of a decline with each month, he's still on pace to be around the same numbers Bergeron was his rookie season when he was an 18 year old in the NHL, same numbers that Pasternak put up when he was a teenager in the NHL. Like he's in a good place and continues to be in a good place. And I think you're absolutely right. I don't think anybody made any mistakes with him being up here. I think he shows that he belongs. It's just a matter of now that he's here, you know, figuring out the ways to maximize his game, like with the skating stride that you're talking about. I totally agree with you. I think he does need to work a little bit on his explosive skating and, you know, being able to get separation and, 
you know, all of that stuff. And he will, he will definitely be able to do that as he gets, you know, physically right. bigger and stronger too. He's five foot 11, 170 pounds right now. You know, he needs another 15, 20 pounds as he matures into a man. Three years from uh, now, he's going to be six foot five, 220. And <laughs> well, I, you know what? He just, he's, he's probably going to be like a Krejci sized player, right? But Krejci got a little thicker as he got older and sturdy on his skates and all Very that. Very sturdy. Yes, he, 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 he He's going to be able to do that uh, similarly, I think, uh, as he gets into his, you know, his 20 year old years, his mid 20s. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads. You get your player props, you get over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Um, Pavel Zaka, Charlie McAvoy back from injuries last night. Uh, McAvoy, I believe, missed four games. Zaka missed three. Um, Zaka had a couple of assists over 21 minutes of ice time and McAvoy played almost 25 minutes. Just, um, anything you noticed about them returning to the lineup? Um, I thought it was interesting. They came right back in and played a ton. Um, and obviously it shows how valuable each of those players are to the team. Uh, and Zaka continues, uh, as he did last night to show that he and, and pasta now have something cooking as far as chemistry goes and working together. And it's, it's become a really good thing. Yeah, they they need they need to uh um do this because the team right now is a little wounded. Uh they're they're tired. They had a great start. Other teams have caught up and right now the Bruins are sort of a uh, uh, sort of a tweener team between the team they thought that everybody thought they would be and the team that started the season. And um but that's okay. Uh, like I don't, you know what? The being being a tweener team is better than we thought they were going to be. So that's <laughs> right. totally so, fine. Like if you know, it's it's it's, I they're playing with house money as far as I'm concerned at this point with absolutely. what they're doing. You just hope that that you don't because you started well and expectations rise with the start that you don't live in a negative vibe as the gap closes and the Bruins come back to the cap to the pack which yeah. is so subtly happening. And I was just toying around the standings, not to avoid your question. I was building up to this. McAvoy and Zaka change what a Bruins game looks like they because do. of how fast they get around the ice and how big and strong they are and, and, and impose themselves on the game. And the way Zaka can forecheck, pursue pucks, hunt the puck, uh, threaten a turnover on a swoop swooping forecheck come up with a really magical play at times 
it's a growing process for him in the new role. And, and uh, I'm thrilled with how it's gone. Uh, and, and in terms of McAvoy, um, most important player on the team, in my opinion, I think your offensive defenseman, your number one defenseman, your two, your two way uh, minutes muncher uh, role matchup guy. He's everything to this team. Um, they're hanging on without him. They got to have him, and good to see him back. Uh, Boy, I got to tell you, Mick, though, uh, and I agree with with all that. It was good to have him back, and they were difference makers. You know, McAvoy, I thought, was sort of, you know, he, he was back into it, but he wasn't quite, you know, back to, uh, you know, 100% McAvoy last night. Um, Zaka, I thought, was excellent. I thought he was really good uh, from beginning to end in that game. Um what were the refs thinking? What were they watching when Pat Maroon <laughs> clobbers McAvoy from behind, hits him in the numbers in the corner, hard enough to knock him into the glass to knock his helmet off, and there's nothing as, as a result of that. And it was Montgomery just basically shut up after the game and said nothing positive is going to come out of me saying anything, so no comment. But, like, what what the hell was that? Yeah, I, I, that was that was problematic for me to watch because it's Maroon, because he was with the Blues when they won the Cup here five years ago. Uh, that that bothered me from a what is our team doing here standpoint. This old fart should not be running around and hitting our best players, and the lack of response to that just annoyed the crap out of me. I feel like this is an ongoing issue with this team and it isn't about an enforcer. It isn't about a fourth line, five minutes of ATOI in the playoffs, uh, you know, two shifts a period. And this is about culture. It's about the top six. It's about how they play. And, and I, they feel like the Bruins, I do feel like part of what's going on with the Bruins and the law and their vulnerability at the end of games to give up goals I think has to do with the fact that they don't play a physical enough game overall yeah. to discourage teams. It reminds me of Montour's goal that tied up game seven. Yep. He should not have been that fresh. And that to me is indicative of how the Bruins play. And that's because of their personnel. And it's not an indictment on any singular player. It's about what do you have enough of in your lineup in order to affect an overall change in the tempo of the game and how it's played and the courage that your opponents have coming at you when they need a goal late, whether they, they fear going to your net. And right now I would say that um, the Bruins have, uh, you know, a few guys who probably feel a little like Lone Rangers, even though they'll never say it. They tell you bold-faced lies in the locker room about we have a lot of guys who step up and do this and, then, you know, whatever, whether it's Trent talking about fighting or whether it's uh, McAvoy talking about hitting. And because they're great hockey guys and great teammates, that's what they are. But if there's a thing I'd like to see the Bruins do, the last thing this team needs is another finesse player or to add secondary scoring because there's a guy who once scored 30 goals five years ago and he has a good stick on a power play. That is not going to get this team to a playoff run. No, they need a they they don't need a sniper as uh, as as Mick uh, knows everybody. Yeah, or too bad dupes trademark dupes. If he was on here, that's what he'd be saying right now. Um, <laughs> they need a sniper. Everybody's been saying that. Uh, Bruins fans have been saying that for thirty years. I I, I agree. There was with a you. day when it was true. 
No, there yes, there there they absolutely was. Jeff that, that day was like Bill Ranford to Edmonton in yeah, '88. That, that day was when they were playing like the Edmonton on top of Reggie Lumlin. They missed a stick in that series. Yes, that that day was when they were playing like powerhouse juggernaut Edmonton Oilers teams in the Stanley Cup Finals in the late '80s, early '90s. Right, that day is exactly. not now. Um, I I think I agree with you. I mean, obviously they thought Milan Lucic was going to be that guy that was going to bring that element uh, to this team, and uh, you know, since he uh, left the team, that's been definitely lacking on a consistent basis, and there's been intermittent people stepping up. And look, Jacob Lauko last night. Uh, great fight, energized the team. Like they went down one nothing. He immediately dropped the gloves with uh, Connor Duan, and and uh, it, I think that helped energize the Bruins and pump some life into them and give him full credit for doing that. And he's one of those guys that I think has the capability of playing very physical, uh, energizing style. But I, I wouldn't say that that's the guy you want to go after, Pat Maroon, uh, by any means. Um, but, no, but they but, need, but, they but need players. Point. He they need more. They need more players that will step up and be physical, and and step up and set a tone and at times intimidate. And I, I agree with you that um, there's an element of not wearing teams down enough in the third uh, over the course of a game, so they have something in the tank in the third period. But I also think it's just a a mindset now where teams know if they need a goal late in a game. Uh, and it turns into a melee around the net. They're more often than not, they're going to be able to score against the Bruins, and they're going to win that melee battle. And which is amazing with the Bruins goaltender. Yes, it is, but it speaks to the guys all around the goalie and what they have, like you know, protecting the net and um, you know what they're what they're willing to do and what they are doing uh, to win battles around the net when it turns chaotic and it turns you know. Uh, uh, Neanderthal-esque hockey uh, in the last few minutes where the refs put the whistles away and it turns into like, you know, a, a battles being won and that's it. And uh, the right. Bruins aren't winning enough Demons, of those battles. Yeah, there's belief on the other side that is above average because of this vulnerability and it's starting to take on a life of its own. And it, it is. inspires the opponent and then their energy and belief fuels it to continue. So it, it does. double and it's side gonna... to this right now. And it's become it's it, that will be a huge problem. That will be their downfall in the playoffs. I have zero doubts about it. That well, that's why they will lose. Season. That's why they will lose in the playoffs uh, if it's not addressed and they don't figure out a way to combat it. Uh, bring in personnel uh, that can help in that situation. Get more out of the personnel that they have uh, to put out those fires and to sort of end those plays. Uh, I'd like to see can't... one key addition on both ends of the rink. I'd like to see a defenseman who's better at boxing out on the, of left, the left shot, yes. uh, who you can play top four. Uh, and then I'd like to see a forward who can make a team uh, think twice on their retrievals. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the forward part is going to be tough. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how many of those guys they're going to be able to get that can do that and get in on time to to make defensemen think twice and will also you know stand up for his teammates uh you know make somebody like maroon pay like uh, in an ideal world that's what you would get is a guy that could do all that stuff uh in sort of a fourth line player certainly a bottom six forward type that one's going to be tough i think the defenseman thing they could probably add somebody to the mix and let, let's be honest Derek forward's a tough customer they've missed him lately i think that's been part of it as well um for sure uh, but like this is an issue. This is an ongoing issue. This and the penalties that they take, I think, are the two biggest issues consistently that I see with this team. Everybody wants to talk about 
not enough goal scoring, not enough finish, not enough offense. And, and to a degree, they're right, because part of what we're seeing, too, is that they have to pr- try to protect one-goal leads all the time. They're in more one-goal games in the third period than, like, any other team in the league because they don't have the offense to separate from everybody else, uh, anybody else, and, and, you know, get that insurance goal that'll really keep them out of the problems, the soup at the end of games. Instead, they're constantly playing one-goal games in the third period because they don't have the offensive separation, and that is exposing another weakness, which is the inability to protect these leads when things get chaotic around their net late in the game. Um, But uh, it was interesting after the game, Monty talked about it a little bit. He said, I don't like the plays in the slot that we're giving up, and I don't like the rebound chances that we're giving up. There's areas that we got to clean up, but I do like the way we responded. I like our compete level. Our execution offensively and defensively needs to get better. And I thought it was an interesting tone that he sent after the game. It wasn't certainly wasn't negative. It seemed to be more positive about getting a point out of that, uh, even though they'd blown a third period lead. But I think he's also very plainly speaking to, you know, if you're giving up slot shots and second chance rebounds late in the game, you're going to either get to overtime or lose those games. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's being realistic. And, and I feel like the cup half full was definitely there when the effort is there. And the Bruins had compete level last night. It was a good game. Nobody likes to say that after they lose one. Um, you know, Minnesota is saying, talking about a great game last night. No yeah, Bruins the best win of the season, about right? a great game last night. They're yep. talking about, yeah, they played well, but there's issues. You know, that's that's how they say. So, so Monty's being cognizant of the fact that the Bruins don't need to work as hard as they did last night and hear that, you know, that they came up here negative things other than through, you know, more of a, okay, here's what we want to do next time, you know. So, uh, you know, he's these coaches in the NHL, they're masterful. They can they can really, I mean, you don't win 50 games a year like Bruce Cassidy did every year he was here with the Bruins and and not be a great coach. Uh, you know, and, and in his case, you know, he'd just make snide little remarks off, off the cuff, like I'd like to see us play more like Frick's. You know, things yeah. like that and say like, well, boy, you know, after all, all the talk, all the Q&A this year, he just freaking nailed it. So yep. as far as now Monty goes, he's dealing in his world with this team and the new issues that have emerged with a different roster. And and I think he's doing a great job. Uh, you know, it, goaltending covers up a lot. Um, it's covered up a lot less lately uh, just because. I, I don't know if the goalies are tired, but they're no longer superhuman. They're just really good humans. That's the yeah. kind of goaltending they're getting right now. Still and, great goaltending, in my opinion. Yeah, and I thought Olmark was fantastic last night. I didn't think he, you know, I thought he was really, really good. I, I aside from that spell where they gave up all those goals in that three-game span, um, I think they've been pretty superhuman consistently. So um that's been the positive and that's like kind of the story of the team so far this year last night i mark andre flurry maybe was a little more superhuman than linus Allmark because he i was, thought it was three great. or four times yeah. and where he made saves on what i what i thought was certain goals um you know posternick one-timers guys getting set up for great chances and he made some post-to-post saves that were just absolutely stellar and maybe it was you know, Flower in his last gapey game probably being played at, at Garden at the TD Garden in Boston had a little more energy and a little more juice in that game. Whatever it was, uh, he was a difference maker for Minnesota, and I think that was a big part of it as well. And it's not 
it wasn't the typical just tip your hat to the goal. He did a good job. He really was a difference maker for that team last night with you know unless, a the, of unless the bottom falls out on them that team and they trade him to Montreal. Yeah, how do you like that? Uh, then we might see him in the playoffs. Uh you know that that would that would up yeah. the drama level. I would like that. Oh, that would be awesome. I would be okay. I would be very okay with it because he's a character too, and I think that would be fun. We do have factor meals uh to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's, it's, it's a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to, to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is the holiday season, Mick. Uh, this will be the last, I think the last, I don't know, we may have one more before Christmas, um, but this will be probably the last time you're on before Christmas. So what gift would you give the Boston Bruins for Christmas if under their holiday tree? A mean six foot four, 219 pound, 219 pounds. defenseman who's in a bad mood but doesn't take penalties and and uh, makes life on Swayman and Almar a little better. I would like to see that in the top four. Um, I didn't want to have to say that about this team at this point, but that's that's my that's my that's my number one. They yep. and and very breathing right down its neck. So this is the stocking stuffer. Is is a uh, the same body on the forecheck. Yeah, I want to see the. I want to see opponents to come playoff time. I want to see opponents defensemen worn down by game five and six. Yep. Well, yeah, the way the way Milan Lucic used to do it back in his prime with the Bruins, That's right. where the he would Kane absolutely hammer yeah. Roman Hammerlick uh, in the corner. Uh, and, and by the by the sixth or seventh game, like the defenseman didn't want to go get the puck anymore because yeah. they were kind of getting smashed. <laughs> like absolutely, they 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 need that. And and I'll put it in more simpler terms, Mick. Uh, they need more players with fu in their game. Like and you hear hockey coaches say that a lot about players and. 
you know, teams in general and hockey coaches love players that have a lot of FU in their game. And I don't think the Bruins, uh, the Bruins are a great bunch. I think they're a good locker room. I think they're good people. I think they need a couple more players with FU in their game. They could certainly use one on the back end. And I think they definitely need one um, on the fourth line. Um, that's big and physical and mean and and has an intimidation level to them. And I, I don't necessarily need that guy to be a top four defenseman. I do need him to be good enough to be one of the top six consistently and be in the lineup. Um, but even I if it turned out to be like a, like, a Middleton, like a Middleton type player, I'd be okay with that. You know, like somebody like that would be fine with me. Middleton skated through the gates of hell to get his goals. He played yep. through the game. He got the crap beat out of him. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the People's Hall of Famer, even though the Hall, for some reason, decided that because, and I love Paul Correa, but Paul Correa and his career is almost identical, except Correa is on one side of benchmarks, Middleton's on the other side. They're about this far apart in those stats, and Middleton's not in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. Yeah, now there you go, Mick. Uh, that's an that was an added bonus right there. Uh, the Hall of Fame is a Christmas present for Rick Middleton. Nifty. Let's, do it. Let's get him in. Um, all right, Twitter question of the day, and I thought this was interesting, um, and this sort of plays into a little bit of what we're talking about and Jim Montgomery's coaching style and certainly the way he's been playing it as of late. Uh, this is from Anbo14. I don't like that Mont- Montgomery shortens the bench every third period, exhausting the other lines and leading to these blown leads. It's his late-game bench management that's costing this team right now, and I thought this was interesting because it's true – it is true, like, if you remember the way Claude Julian coached, right, no forwards were ever over 20 minutes of ice time. He rolled lines for the most part. He played the fourth line a lot. Uh, nobody was ever over 20 minutes that was a forward. You know, you'd have a few D that would be over 20 minutes, certainly guys that were in the top four. And it's kind and of like that. It was, it was kind of like that for Bruce Cassidy as well. Um, but I think it tipped a little bit more towards guys playing a little bit more. Oh, but no, like yeah, now, I think Montgomery than he is to Julian. But now, now I think it's um, Pasternak's over 20 minutes just about every night. Yeah. Uh, Zaka was over 20 minutes last night in his first game back from injury. Um, we've we talked about Matt Potray being on a shortened bench, of, you know, several times in the last few weeks. Um, is this part of the issue as well? that uh jim montgomery is riding some of these players too much and riding these horses too much um and shortening the bench too much uh you know in some situations it's okay right like i sort of understand why he might be doing it now with the christmas break coming you know a few days down the road and i think he did it once last week when they had three days off after the game was over so in situations like that i get it um, but is that happening a little bit too much on a consistent basis uh, with this team with Jim Montgomery? Um, Minnesota played last night in Pittsburgh, right? Or the night before last. Yeah. In Pittsburgh. Okay. So they come into Bruins on a back-to-back. Kaprizov played 25 minutes. So this is going on around the league. This is the league right now. It's I see it all the time. And I think that if you're if you don't want to do it, you're kind of leveraged into doing it. Because if you don't get your guys, your horses out there more, then then uh, then you're gonna miss out on opportunities to to uh, push the envelope and see what you can get offensively to match up with the other teams trying to get out of the rest guys offensively. It's a trend, 
Um, I don't think it can go 82 plus playoffs. No. I think you get it in the playoffs. You're going to get yeah. it in the playoffs. But if you're getting it, you're taking a risk if you're trying to do it during the 82, unless, like you just alluded, situational, uh, you know, time off coming up, that sort of thing. You have an opportunity. But going back to backs, playing in Pittsburgh last night, and then you come into Boston and you win a game and your best player uh, plays 25 minutes and he's a forward. I mean, you know, the Bruins weren't not as extreme as they were. Um, and But the Bruins have done it a lot this season. But no, Pasternak like very regularly is over 20 minutes of ice time. It's it, That is a very regular occurrence. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. quite a bit, too, and, and Coyle will definitely have his times. Like, there, there are horses that uh, Jim Montgomery definitely rides. And and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, it, and, and I think there is an element of – given the lineup that they have this year where those players are going to play a lot. If you want to win, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but is, is there, is, is there a, a little price be, yeah. does a price come due for, for, you know, for pay, playing that way and for operating that way. If pasta can doesn't have the legs to get a, to, to take a breakaway when he has a step on a defenseman because he's at the end of his ship, that's fine. Yep. If, if he doesn't have the legs to get the breakaway, cause he's at the end of a run where he's played too much hockey. That's not good. Right. That's not what you want. So um, these are things that the Bruins have to carefully monitor going forward here as they try to uh, really beat off all these teams that are trying to catch up with them and and pack it in. And, and uh, you know, and, and if they keep on doing 10 game segments where they're, you know, a bubble team in the playoffs uh, chase, then then they're going to come back to the pack very subtly. Uh, right now, um, they still are one of the few teams in the league with Rangers in Vancouver, I think, who have won 10 games at home and away. Um, that's that's not happening around the league with with uh, regularity, uh, but but uh, soon it will, and it's up to the Bruins to to uh, uh, maybe it's a good time for Don Sweeney to start thinking about what he's going to do for this team to to keep it from being too because because otherwise what happens with the next month or the next two months of hockey does this team find internal renewal i don't know if it's there um i'm not convinced that they've got um that they can uh, weather this this storm right now and just keep their noses significantly in front of everybody else no and that, but i don't think I, I agree but i don't think that's necessarily the the end all be all for this year's team either. You know what I mean? I, I think it's okay if they come back to the pack, to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I think what you've talked about as far as needs, I a hundred percent agree with, I think they need a couple more rugged physical players that are, are hockey players, not just like guys, you know, that you put on the, um, put in the forward group that are like supposed to fight or anything like, like they need hockey players, but they need a big, strong, rugged defenseman that can, you know, clean house and around the net. And they need a forward that uh, other defensemen, other teams' defensemen are going to have to worry about. But I, I don't, you know, I, I, they're not going to have to sell the farm to get those players, and I don't think they should. I, I still view this season as a transitional season where you know they're not, they should not be all in on anything. I don't think they should be like trading assets, you know, for any of these things unless it really makes sense and it's a long term fit. And I still view this as a, you know. A year a where they're going, they're going from one guard and going to another core group and sort of handing it off 
this season. So, like, if they come back to the pack and they're just a playoff team and they go a round or two in the playoffs, I think that, that's I'm fine with that. You know, yeah, I think yeah, I think most I, people I get, should I, be. I, I get that. I'm not sure they are because historically, right. I think they should the Bruins be. Do what they do at the deadline based on the season they're having. I know, not based on my opinion of what their team is capable of and what they're. I saying. agree. But I think that would be a mistake to all of a sudden turn it into we need to go all in again this year. Like, there need to be some seasons where you don't go all in. And I think this is the poster child for a season where you don't trade all your assets and give away all your young assets and your draft picks and, and clean the cupboard again uh, for a season where you know you're probably not going to win the cup. Like I, I just being realistic, looking at this roster, even if you add those players, is this a Stanley Cup team? And I say this with uh in a eastern conference that i believe is wide open this year after watching the first three months of the season you know i don't think there's a clear-cut juggernaut powerhouse team out there like certainly the rangers look pretty good and i thought that game and i wrote about this the rangers bruins game uh early, last week was um i felt like almost it looked like a preview to me of an eastern conference final maybe it felt like that kind of a game um between two very good teams but like i you know, I, it's it's going to be tempting because I think it's a wide open East this year, but I think it would be a mistake for the Bruins to like just spend again like they've done the last few years and give away all their assets again. You can't keep doing that year after year and try to sustain a team that's going to be, uh, you know, above the pack. Yeah, you're well, we've, we've seen that in prior decades in different eras uh, of Bruins hockey. We saw it in the 90s. Uh, yep. Where you kept on trying to somehow band-aid your way into sustaining successes that you had had five years earlier. And finally the bottom fell out on that club. Um, yep. I don't think, I don't think this team is anywhere near that, even though, uh, you know, well, there's a lot of opinions about the, the drafts and all of that. Um, I think there's been some very shrewd moves by this team. Inventing Zaka is amazing. You go and you, you yep. get a guy like uh, Eric Halla, who's a pretty mid-tier kind of a addition, and then you turn him into Zaka, and then you move him to the middle, and you get a guy who was sixth overall in the infamous 15 draft, yep. and and he's now your number one center. That's 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 pretty great management, in my opinion. Uh, so uh, yeah, a lot of things haven't gone quite as planned, uh, but they keep on finding ways to to keep the you know keep this compass aiming north um and it's a good season it's better than i thought it would be yep. um so uh good on them and and i'm really interested to see if with they think like you're thinking or if they think like they usually do about hey look at our record let's go get something and reward these guys what's it going to be if they do will it involve moving a guy who's going to be ufa and where's number 74 you know this yeah. You know, it will be a goalie. I mean, what what kind of things might happen? Um, the way Don Sweeney talked in his meeting with the media after practice a couple of days ago was clearly a uh, uh, indicator that they're going to be very, very patient with this process. So there must not be anything on the table right now that's blowing their minds. So no, I don't think so. And uh, I think uh, that that would be my uh, Christmas present to the Bruins is uh, there will be no goalie on the move in the second half of the year. It will be Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman uh, for this season, because, you know, uh, the flip side of the coin of what I just talked about is you do have a pretty good team that looks like they're a playoff team and they are absolutely built on having two elite goaltenders this season for success. 
I don't think you can mess with that formula. That would be something for the summertime. So I think, uh, you know, uh, a, a stay in Boston for the rest of the season should be in the stocking stuffers for Alinas Allmark and Jeremy Swayman for sure. Um, one guy that's always going to be staying on the Pucks with Hags podcast, Mick Collagio. Thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on as always. Um, thank you. And Merry Christmas to you, Mick, if I, I don't see you. Um, thank you, Joe. Same to you and your family. Thank you. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's thank our sponsors. Uh, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NF uh, NFL, NHL, and NBA seasons going on right now uh, with the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. And let's also give a little love to Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week. Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan Plus, which I don't even know what the hell that is. Vegan, Veggie, and Protein Plus. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. It is delicious. It is excellent. I have had plenty of these meals. They are good. Head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. Mick. Thank you very much. Everybody else out there, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you at the ring. Happy holidays, everybody.